welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. Week 10 recap, and we're going to get into week 11 bets. I am Steve Weed, your host, and always joining me is Mr. Walter Lukashensky. Walter, how are we doing this evening, my man? I got to tell you, this is the most exciting season I can remember in the NFL in a long time. Yeah, I'm a Raiders fan, so I'm a little biased because we're finally good again. But I can't remember there being so much contention in both conferences, whether that be from three win teams in the NFC East to the AFC having nine six-plus win teams right now. So it's a great time to be talking and watching football. Yeah, we got some teams that started off cold, all of a sudden getting hot. Two of the Dolphins are 3-0 and o together. And maybe the Colts are going to take that leap in the AFC South, but we're all going to get to that. But before we get into all the fun games, you know we got to do the hair of the dog. Let's get through these first few gulps before we start getting into the liquor drinks here, which is all the other good games. So we're going to start it off here with Wally's Washington football team. Gets their hearts ripped out against the Detroit Lions. At one point, Detroit was up 24-3. to Washington comes all the way back. Ties the game up at 27 just to have Matt Prater win with the final seconds for the Detroit Lions. Alex Smith, though, putting up career highs in completions, 38, attempts, 55, as well as yards, 390. Antonio Gibson, two touchdowns for that Washington football team. Matt Stafford putting up three touchdowns himself, but it's in the hair hair of the dog for the reason, Wally. What are we looking to this game for? Honestly, the only thing that you could take away is that if Washington had won this game, maybe they were in the conversation to be the favorite in the NFC East. Otherwise, I mean, this game really doesn't matter from a Detroit perspective. They're pretty much dead from wildcard perspective. I mean, this was the part of the schedule a few weeks ago. We said, if they expect to go anywhere, they're going to go on a run. Yeah, they won this game, but they started here the last few weeks. They got to really, I guess, turn on the heat here in the month of November, which isn't exactly traditionally when they do that. So for me, Detroit's nobody. Washington really shot themselves in the foot. If you win this game, you're a half game out at three and six, which is crazy to think, but we'll get more into that terrible, terrible NFC East division here shortly. Actually, we'll do it right now, Steven. The Giants in the rematch with the Philadelphia Eagles got the rematch win this time actually holding on, and all of a sudden, the New York Giants are half a game out of first place in this, what is arguably the worst division I think we've seen in our life. I mean, I said half game. That's a full game. It felt like a half game. The Giants are 3-7. and You could make a legitimate case right now that they are now the favorites. Daniel Jones is playing pretty well. He's protecting the ball a little bit more. They're, they're losing close games. They're in all of these games this last month and a half, and the Eagles continue to be underwhelming. Carson Wentz didn't look that good. 21 of 37, 208. He fumbled several times in the pocket yet again. His terrible play has continued. Steven, what was your main takeaways? Who's your favorite in the NFC East right I don't now? No, I just hope that we can construct a way that we just get away from division winners and just let all the top teams, top seven to eight teams go in just so we don't have to deal with the NFC East being in there and having a extremely below 500 team host a playoff game. With that being said, I'll I'll stick with you. I'm going to go with the Giants on this one. The Eagles are fucking horrible. What sticks out to me the most, 11 penalties against this New York Giants team. 0 for 9 on third down conversions. 0 for 9. 
It's against the fucking New York Giants. My goodness, this is just absolutely embarrassing. Philadelphia, it's hilarious to watch. This is what happens when you put a statue of your current head coach and what was, well, your ex-quarterback, now former Chicago Bears quarterback, which we will get to. Man, do I love that. But, man, I'm done talking about the Giants and the Eagles and the NFC East. Let's throw that. Let's take it out back like Gold Yeller and uh, take a shotty to uh, to its face for lunch. The Colts and the Titans. Thursday night game is what we had to deal with. Seemed like a very evenly matched up game. Then the second half happened. And the Colts, first of all, outscore the Titans 21-0 in the second half and hold that offense, which was seemingly hot, what seems like up until this Pittsburgh game a few weeks ago, has been cooled down, held them to under 300 yards, the Titans. Phillip Rivers, 308 yards and a touchdown. Naheem Hines coming back with another two-touchdown game. That's two in a three-week span. Tannehill, 147 yards. Derrick Henry, 103 yards. A.J. Brown held to one reception for 21 yards. Are the Colts to clear division favorites all of a sudden? I know that... I know especially me, I've been somewhat high on that team and their defense, but now this is a, it's a big statement, Lynn Wally. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, for the losing team, the Tennessee Titans, yeah, they're unraveling right now, and I think the clear trend in the last few weeks you can definitely see is they have a tendency to go away from Derrick Henry too early in games. This was a game they were leading at half, so be it, it didn't feel like it if you were watching it, but Derrick Henry only got 20 touches in this game. This is the time of year that we're used to seeing him about 25 to 30. He wears defenses down. I'm really surprised that they have kind of shifted over into just putting uh, not too much trust in Ryan Tannehill, but more trust. And right now, this team is built on Derrick Henry. In, in past tense, they expected a pass rush with Jadavian Clowney coming in. It's not happening. I don't know what to say. I, I'm starting to think that this team might not even be a playoff team. Uh, we'll see. It's been a terrible month. Let's see if they regroup. As for the Colts, I'm not high on Phillip Rivers. I think he's way past his prime. He doesn't look like himself. Numbers look good here. I don't trust him. But there's not another option in the AFC South. The Texans aren't going to get it done. The Jaguars aren't going to get it done. So naturally, because of the defense, like you said, I'm going to pick the Colts to win the division at this stage. I mean, Darius Leonard's back healthy. DeForest Buckner's still doing what he does best. I think if this defense can even hold teams to 20 points a game, you're going to see the Colts somewhere around that 10 and 6, maybe even 11 and 5 range and win the AFC South. Now we're going to transition down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Going into this game, their only loss besides to the Colts was to the Chicago Bears. Panthers gave them a bit of fits in the first time around. Not so much this time. As it looks right now, assuming that Antonio Brown can not throw carts and break cameras in subdivisions. Maybe he is a good addition to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. I mean, it's a, it's an offense right now that is clicking on all uh, cylinders. I mean, Ronald Jones had that giant 98-yard touchdown run. It's a team that it's going to feel like you have to outscore them if you're going to beat them the postseason. I don't know if they have it. As for the, uh, the Panthers, you feel bad for Bridgewater. He was having a solid year. CMC still out. It's just a team that's banged up, and we really, to me, didn't get to see what they possibly could have been this year. But it's a place to be excited for uh, down the road with Matt Rule. I think they got a good one there. I mean, we we got to see what that team could potentially be here in the future with that Kansas City game here last week, where they almost won it. They just missed a kick at the end of the game, unfortunately. 
Sly, you got to hit that, my man. If you're going to look that douchey as a kicker, you have to at least do something on the football field outside of making millions of dollars and having a half sleeve. The Bucks are the Bucks. At the end of the day, we know that the, the Saints are their kryptonite. We'll see how that's going to end up. Obviously, we're, we're going to get to uh, Drew Brees and all that drama that's going on in New Orleans right now. But yeah, nice, easy win after just getting shellacked publicly and in front of the whole nation and front of the whole world it almost seems like you know when you're playing a primetime game like that there is a lot of eyes on you so the books were looking good but carolina they were tied at halftime tampa bay just came right at them put it right down their throat tom brady you know throwing two touchdowns nothing pretty but that ground game my goodness that 98 yard run was what in the third quarter that that was the end of the game once you have those types of runs the derrick henry types of runs like that, you know that it's game over. Luckily for uh, for the Carolina side, Teddy Bridgewater did have his did have a knee injury, but it was not the injury that was severely injured that obviously sidelined his career here for the past three or four years prior to him signing with Carolina. Carolina is just going to have to bite the bullet this year, not be that team, come back fully loaded next year with nice two-headed running monster with Mike Davis, CMC. You got Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson on the wide receivers. This is going to be fun. I think this team can be interesting. They have a lot of a lot of things to fix defensively. Outside of that, I think this team could potentially be very interesting next year in a, in a division that's seemingly looking to get very old, especially at the quarterback position. We will stay in this division. The Saints beat up on the quote-unquote San Francisco 49ers. Kamara, Alvin Kamara, has been an absolute monster. 15 touches, 108 yards, and three touchdown and keeping on the Alvin Kamara number one in all purpose yards second in touchdowns second in reception seventh in touches this man is top 16 in receiving yards kid's an absolute animal he's the MVP of this team but the biggest biggest thing that came out of this obviously is Drew Brees leaving with an injury ribs lung this man's gonna be out for a minute here comes Jameis Winston eating up that crab that he was stealing from the grocery store I'm just very interested to see how Jameis Winston is going to take this role. We were excited to see what he's going to do in the offseason. Ends up signing with New Orleans. This is exactly what we wanted to see. I'm interested to see if he can keep this team afloat like Teddy Bridgewater was doing last year. Outside of that, I've taken up all the time, Wally. Does this game say anything? What's the most interesting thing about the Saints right now? No, I mean, it, it, the whole question comes down to is Jameis Winston able to protect the ball last year? He was in the 30-30 club like we were talking about. That's <laughs> not it's a still, club you want to be It's still great, but it's not, but it's a very exclusive club. Not only did I – Yeah, yeah. I sucked exclusive. at a high level. That's awesome. I mean, he sucked at a high level, all right. I mean, it, it's just a, a, a mind-boggling stat to think about in 2020. So it will be interesting to see if he's able to protect the ball. I mean, right now, the offense for them, it's running through Kamara, like you said, and not even necessarily on the ground. He only had 15 yards rushing on Sunday, but he had seven catches for 83 yards. The guy's being – he's a dual threat. If there's a dual threat out in the league, it's him. And, I mean, right now, the Saints, yeah, they're 7-2. and two. Yeah, they lost their quarterback. I don't know necessarily if losing this Drew Brees is as big of a deal as people are making it right now. I'm not going to overreact and say that Drew Brees is, is worthless now. But he's not Drew Brees anymore. So Jameis Winston coming in, I'm not hitting a panic button at all. If anything, this is a good time to have it happen. Give him time to actually acclimate himself back into live football before the postseason. So are you now, saying, are you still taking the Saints to win this division? With Drew Brees seemingly going to be out for multiple weeks. 
As of this moment right now, yes. Jameis Winston was the kryptonite in Tampa Bay last year. Why should it stop now? I'm sticking with Jameis, shoving it to Tampa Bay. I think that the Saints do get it done. I think they're going to be right around. Well, here's the thing. They have a game up right now, but then they have the head-to-head tiebreaker as well. So they, it's going to be really difficult for the Bucs to jump past them. Now, if they meet up in the postseason, who knows? We'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when we do get to it. But what we don't have to worry about is the Cincinnati Bengals being in the postseason. They went to Heinz Field. They went to see Big Ben this last week. And I got a stat for you about Big Ben. 59-1 against teams from Ohio in his career. He does not lose to teams from Ohio. He does not lose to the Browns. He does not lose to the Bengals. You heard that right, Steven. I see your face. 59-1. and one. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of good if you're into, you know, beating your rivals and winning the division every single year. What about teams in Baltimore? I, I want to get that record. It was, well, I was going to say, including Baltimore, I was going to say the last I saw. A couple of years ago, it was 59 and 19 versus AFC North opponents. They have lost a few times this last few years. Plus, he missed all last year. So he's going to get, unfortunately, dinged for not playing anybody then. But yeah, he's been unbelievable. Talking about dominating Ohio, he's ha- had his best game again after looking like a shell of himself all year 27 to 46, 333, and four touchdowns. The Steelers continue to roll, and every week closer makes me think that more and more likely they go 16 and 0. Who? Could possibly beat them right now. It's not the Ravens are falling apart. We'll get to that in a bit. But Stephen, how impressed are you with this Stevens or this Stevens team right now? This Steelers team at this moment. I'm very impressed. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm expecting them to be nine and zero. I was expecting them to to be pretty damn good. I was pretty high on them in our pregame show, our first episode here. But like I said, I was not expecting them to be nine and zero. This is a pretty damn good team. I was also expecting more from Baltimore, which obviously we won't get to. How could we not get to after this week? But yeah, that Steelers team, I'm I am very very impressed. Uh, Big Ben's looking better than what I was anticipating he was going to. That defense is scarier than what it was the back half, a little bit more than it, uh, last year. This team is real, and quite frankly, this is the only team. I think in the AFC, let alone the NFL, that actually has a shot to give Pat Mahomes a run for the money for back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, obviously back-to-back AFC championship appearances. So I am very, very hopeful that that's what we get in the AFC championship game. Obviously, if that's the one and two, that's how it's going to go. But now the 16-0. I don't know if they're going to go 16-0. It's very interesting. Jaguars, Ravens. Washington football team, I still think that they can go 3-0. But the Buffalo Bills, December 13th, always the biggest question mark, as well as the Colts two weeks later. That's going to be a fun game. That Colts-Steelers game is going to have a lot riding on it, and I cannot wait for it. It's going to be fun. Two defensive matchup teams, a way better offense than what they in Pittsburgh than in Indianapolis. I still think it's going to be a good game. Can't wait. 16-0, not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen again in our lifetime. That's just an unrealistic expectation to have if you do believe that. With that being said, we are done with the hair of the dog. We are not done drinking, but we are done with the hair of the dog, Wally. We're going to dive right into the Week 10 games. And there was a shit ton of great games. 
luckily my guy Dylan Watts let me post up at his house this week on the, on uh, Sunday. We got to watch a little bit of the Masters, but mostly we got to watch a shit ton of football. Six four o'clock games. When's the last time you've seen that? Probably well, never, because the Masters aren't in November, and that's why they had to flex all those times. But we're gonna get right into it. Tua is three and zero as the Dolphins starter. They keep rolling against the Los Angeles Chargers, which Los Angeles typically keeps it close to let the score fool you. It was not close this entire game. There's a garbage time touchdown to my guy, Keenan Allen, which I needed in fantasy. Thank you very much. But nonetheless, two or three nodes a starter, only 169 yards passing with two touchdowns. But Sullivan Ahmad, which everyone should know this man's name by now, right, Wally? 21 touches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Justin Herbert putting up an ugly performance of only 187 yards and two touchdowns. All right, Wally, is it time? Especially after this Bills game, which we will get to. Is it time to take this Dolphins team more serious than we were talking about last week? And are they going to win this division? I don't think they're going to win the division. I'm not going to go that high yet. But, I mean, you talked about us being high. I've been awfully – I mean, I've been kind of critical of them at the same time. Just saying, hey, you know what, they're winning I've been decently okay with Yeah, and I've I've been – a little critical just to say, hey, you know what? They are winning games, but they're winning games ugly. And at some point, you don't win ugly games unless you're a good football team. Two has clearly at least got the locker room's attention. Everybody seems to enjoy playing with them. 15 of 2,569, two touchdowns. And here's the thing, too, is Miami has a very favorable schedule the next four weeks before it gets very difficult at the end of the year. The next four games at Denver, at New York, home against Cincinnati, home against KC, that's tough. But that's where it really turns around. But there's a very realistic chance this team is 8-4, and four, even possibly 9-3 and three after that next four. And then it just turns into they have to win a game of their difficult final stretch. And if they do that, you might be seeing Miami at the very least as a wild card. But as of right now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that they're better than the Bills as of now. And we'll flip it out west now. We're going to see the Bills take a late lead against the Arizona Cardinals Betters everywhere, happy, celebrating, Bill's money line, Bill's cover, everyone's happy. Then Kyler Murray walks down the field, about 10 seconds left. He throws up a prayer to the end zone. Everyone in their house, everyone in the world knew if there's somebody out there that you do not want throwing the ball as a Bill's fan, it's DeAndre Hopkins, unless you're Bill O'Brien. And unfortunately for Bill O'Brien, unfortunately for the Texans, and today, unfortunately for the Bills, DeAndre Hopkins was in the Cardinals uniform, and he came down with the Hail Mary. Unbelievable game. It was it was one of those games where it just felt like an instant classic. Even before the Cardinals drive, the Bills walking down the score late, it felt like a game that mattered very much to both of these teams. The Cardinals have a realistic shot to win the NFC West in the Bills at 7-3 and three now, only half a game up on that Miami Dolphins team. So we were talking before. I guess one first opinion from you is – of these two teams, which is more likely now to win their division? The Buffalo Bills at 7-3 and three or the Arizona Cardinals at 6-3? and three? I would have to go with Buffalo on this one. Strictly because the NFC West is more loaded than the AFC East. And that's only that's realistically only by one team. The Miami Dolphins are, are going to give a bill, the Bills a run for their money. Well, there's two teams that are going to give 
a run for first place in the NFC West on top of Arizona. So I'm going to go constantly with the Bills. But man, that's a heart heartbreaking game. I mean, my you you were leading you were leading the whole time. You give up the lead, come back and win, and then they just do that to you. I mean, my God, as a Packers fan, I've seen that happen two or three times right off the top of the head that I can think of. So I know I know what it feels like. I've also been on the other side of it. The fail Mary, 2013. How could you ever forget? Bills are looking good. Josh Allen, 322 total yards, two touchdowns, had two interceptions. Cole Beasley just going off for him. 109 on 11 receptions and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs with 93 yards and a touchdown. This is a game that featured two of two of the league's top receivers, both of them, two of the league's top receivers, and they both got traded this offseason. You know, you know how bad Minnesota wants Stephon Diggs? Could you imagine all three of them together? Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. Holy fucking shit. And, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. How how that went down, I don't know. Bill, O'Brien, if you're listening to this, please reach out to me. Go into my DMs because whatever you're smoking, I need an ounce of. Because, my God, that's got to be some good shit if you're trading away DeAndre Hopkins. Now, let's flip it over here. Kyler Murray is such a ball to watch. It's like Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson had a baby. That's what it's like. We'll give it a couple more years for that one to marinate and everyone's because everyone's probably like, you're a fucking idiot for comparing those two, but you guys just wait. You guys just wait. It's gonna be great. My funnest fact from this game, the Jumpman branding, their marketing branding has gone up 5.7 million since this picture of DeAndre Hopkins. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out. Literally, it is perfect. His hands are above everyone. And he, all you see is the football. The black gloves and the white Jumpman symbol in the background just popping out. It is absolutely amazing. But to eventually answer your question, Wally, which I did in the first 30 seconds, but getting back to now, I think that the Bills are more likely to win their division than the Arizona Cardinals will, strictly because of defense. The Arizona Cardinals defense is trash. Bills defense is somewhat scary, even though Arizona just lit that up. That is the number one offense in the NFL. So how are you gonna how are you gonna dominate? We're going to keep it in the Also, division. T's and P's to betters. Uh, real quick, also uh, thoughts and oh, prayers to the betters. Fuck, dude. Bills, plus three. You First of all, the Hail Mary is bad enough. But then you're in your head, you're like, well, at least I'm going to get a push when the Cardinals go out, hit this extra point, down three. End of the day, no one loses money. Cliff Kingsbury goes out, does the smart football play, and kneels on the ball instead of kicking an extra point. So they bet plus three betters lose by a point. That's one of the worst beats you will ever see. I I literally that's one of those things where you could or those bets where you convince yourself you'll never bet again. That that's painful stuff. So we'll, we'll, but yeah, like you said, we will go on. We'll move on to the other game in that division I, out there. I loved it. I took I threw eighty bucks on the Cardinals live, and that was fucking exhilarating. As well as I have DeAndre Hopkins keeping my fantasy. Hopes alive in the dress league I'm in. I'm in. I'm in a fantasy league where the loser of the league has to wear a dress to the bar for the Super Bowl. No one wants to see my fat fucking cottage cheese ass in a dress. DeAndre Hopkins, I really appreciate you. Let's keep it in the NFC West, Walter. The Rams absolutely dominate the Seahawks. When Russ, who was cooking early in the season, seems to be simmering down a little bit. Simmering down. 248 yards. Zero touchdowns. Two interceptions. He has thrown four interceptions his last two games. Very, very unlike Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf held to two 
two receptions, 28 yards. Tyler Lockett, five for 66 yards. And that led the team in receivings for the Seahawks. Now, the Rams, defensively, that Rams D, forcing three turnovers, completely dominating the second half, do not allow the Seahawks to score a touchdown. They scored a field goal with like 2.30 left in the game. The Seahawks didn't do shit in the second half. Well, this is where it's interesting now. I know that we were just talking about who's more likely to win the division, the Buffalo Bills or the Arizona Cardinals. But look at all of these games here, Walter. This one I'm going to present to you. You have all the games here in front of you. Seahawks next five, Cards and Rams next five. Are Seahawks still your favorite out of the NFC West now? Are we going to point to maybe the Rams? Because spoiler alert, I have the Rams. See, I'm not going to overreact or underreact to these last two games. For what it is, Russell Wilson has played very poorly. We also know what Russell Wilson is. I'm not going to hammer any panic button on him as well. This week, you got to see, and credit to the Rams, that defense, you talked about it. The defense was out of this world. Leonard Floyd had three sacks. Charles Lewis had two sacks. Another great Alabama linebacker rookie that appears to be. But yeah, for the Seahawks, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write them off. I'm not going to say that a guy that two weeks ago we were saying might be a very strong MVP candidate because of these two games. They do end the year now with Philadelphia, New York, New York, Washington, Los Angeles again, but that time at home, and then at San Francisco. That is that is a very manageable stretch after this upcoming Thursday's game with the Cardinals. I mean, you have three basically well, – well, you have three NFC East teams and an AFC East team in the Jets. Those are four wins. They should win all of those. I think they will win all of those. The only thing I can think of is if the Rams do win that game on Sunday, December 27th, in Seattle, I would give them the edge. But I don't think they do get it done in Seattle, and that win at home should be enough to push the Seahawks to an NFC West crown this year. You know, Wally, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I'm going to backtrack, as I typically do. I've been drinking. This is what's going to happen. The Seahawks' next next five games, I mean, yeah, they're playing Arizona, but Philly and both the New Yorks and the Washington football team, that Seahawks defense is shitty, but they're good enough to overcome teams like that. So, yeah, I'm going to have to backtrack, take the Seahawks to win this division. Well, you're a smart man agreeing with me, Steven. What I want to go to now, you want to go from Russell Wilson – Potential MVP candidate several weeks ago starting to struggle to another one. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens have gone from being Super Bowl favorites to a question now is where are they going to fit into the playoff picture in the AFC? They go to New England this week in a disgusting weather game. Another week where just the Northeast and the Midwest is just abused by weather, making games look a lot grosser and lower scoring than we're used to. But the Patriots do come out on top. They beat the Ravens. In a very sloppy, again, a game that's just not, really, it's not even, it's not fun to be there. It's not fun to be a part of. None about it is enjoyable. The Ravens, though, are falling off a cliff. They're in complete disarray. The AFC North feels all but out of reach now. The Patriots, on the other hand, they're starting, you you get a little feeling again where you're like, all right, well, this was a game we probably hadn't marked off as, as a loss earlier in the year. Could we get back involved with some of these teams in the AFC, which everybody seems to have a playoff shot? What was your major takeaway in this game? Is this more of a the Patriots are not as dead as we thought, or 
the Ravens have absolutely no idea how to stop their free fall. I don't think the Ravens can stop their free fall right now, Wally. The league gets clearly caught up with them. Granted, this was this was Bill Belichick putting that defense on them, but my goodness, I mean, this was just such a boring game. And New England Patriots games are so boring now. Outside of that Seahawks game week two, their games are fucking pitiful to watch. But they just know how to get it done. It was a scoreless fourth quarter between the two of them. And there were 17 points combined in the third quarter. So it's just ugly. It was an even game, but Belichick is just winning ugly, grind them out games last year. And I don't know what to think of this Patriots defense. I think that they can come in here and just kind of ruin everyone's party. I don't think that they will be able to sneak in into a seventh or an eighth spot, potentially, based on what the new playoff rules could be if COVID gets worse. Talked about it a little bit last week. Bring it on here this week. So I'm very interested to see. But the Patriots are still really nothing to me. Cam Newton, I don't really care. I still don't think you're getting it done. Everyone's just screaming because he scores two rushing touchdowns on 16 yards, but only has 179 passing yards. No one ever talks about that. But when he doesn't score any rushing touchdowns, then we all jump to his passing his passing yards and what he can't do in the passing game. So the Ravens are having a having a downfall. Patriots are playing the spoilers. I don't think there's really anything too much to look into this game. But Lamar is just not the MVP that we that we are seeing. He is not making those leaps in the offensive game that we were expecting to in the passing-wise. Rushing, he still really is – he's not lining up to who he was last year. And I know at some point we were expecting this, but he's even – he's on a slower pace this year with passing yards than he was last year. That's sad. That's very sad. This Ravens team and Lamar are going to be done out of the picture within the next three to four years. I'm just going to say that now. Let's, stay, let's keep it in the division where the Brownies win – an ugly, ugly fucking game against the Houston Texans. Baker not putting up really anything. 12 of 20, 132 yards. But Nick Chubb coming back. Kareem Hunt, both of them in the backfield combining for 230 yards. And one, one touchdown, which is from Nick Chubb. Texans are an absolute dumpster fire. There's really nothing nothing to be said here. They're just limping down to the finish line, seeing if they can trade people off, maybe trade for more people, or just trade away for trade away players for draft picks. But with the Browns, very clear that they're a fucking rushing team now. But all of a sudden, they are tied with the Baltimore Ravens after that loss on, on Sunday night for the second place in that division, obviously behind the 9-0 Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Wally, with this ground attack, with Nick Chubb back healthy, are the Browns the clear number two team in this AFC North division? And will you ever, ever forget Nick Chubb for running out at the one-yard line when the Browns were minus three and a half to minus four point favorites, and he does that to you. Well, to answer your first question, no, the Browns are not clear number twos, but to me, they are number twos. This is a good offense, or one of the best offensive lines in football. Best, or, or I would say the best running back tandem in the entire NFL. You pair pair those two together, and with how gross the weather's been in Cleveland, it makes like a match made in heaven right now. No, second part of that, the Chubb run, Talk about a couple bad beats. After the DeAndre, or before the DeAndre Hopkins on Sunday's case, but now that we're talking about it after, between those two, there's some people that lost a lot of money that feel like they were on the right side of a bet. And that is the worst feeling in the world. And all I can do is tell those people, get back out there. But sometimes losing a bet like that is almost better than winning it because it's that story you get to tell for the rest of your life. The, 
Oh, wow. You remember DeAndre Hopkins? Hail Mary. Yeah, I lost 200 bucks. Oh, the, the Chubb run, he went out of bounds at the one, lost a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, so, I mean, that's brutal. What I will say for people out there, and there's a lot of them, at least I know uh, of my friends that listen to this that are anti-Browns fans, that pick at the low-hanging fruit of picking on Baker Mayfield. These last two games have been all kinds of weather games, 40-plus mile-an-hour winds in both, crazy weather, nor'easter kind of stuff. Notice that Derek Carr and Deshaun Watson, both very good quarterbacks, by the way, also put up nothing in those games. Only reason Watson has his touchdown in the stats he did in this was because the Browns went up 10-0 with like eight minutes left in this game, and they completely sat on their heels because they knew with the weather the way it was, the Texans did not have enough time to nickel and dime down the field two different times, and they won the game 10-7 because of it, which could have been a 10 nothing shutout. Defensively is turning around for the Browns. The offensive line is healthy. The run game's back. A lot to be excited about right there, and for me, definitely the number two team. But going from one good performance or defensive performance to another very good defense in the league, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings travel to Soldier Field to take on the Chicago Bears defense. And I say that because the offense did not show up. The Chicago Bears offense is an absolute travesty and a joke. They lost again and again. It shouldn't have been as close as it was if it wasn't for arguably the greatest kick returner, kick returner, up on returner of all time, getting another one this last week in Cordero Patterson. This team is unreal. I it, The fact they had five wins four, four weeks ago is remarkable because there's a legitimate chance this Bears team ends the year with five or six wins. I'm, I'm, I get lower by the play. I watch this team. Minnesota, yeah, they're turning it around, but they're playing nobody's to do it. When they beat somebody worth a damn, I'll, I'll start getting a little, and I'm not talking to the Packers. Yeah, you know what? That game felt like a fluke. I'm not worried about that. Throw it out. It's gone. It's out of my head. Another crazy weather game. No one's going to remember from that. I have nothing good to say about either one of these teams. This feels like a hair of the dog game if I ever had it. Steven, I know you don't like either one of these teams for multiple reasons beyond what they are on the field. I, I guess just tear into them both. I'm not going to say tell us good things because there's really not much good here. Uh, so I'll go with the Vikings first because, you know, Mr. Adam Alfonso, i got to save you for last. We've been texting a little bit. I know, and it's been very friendly. But here... I get to fucking lay into you, and I don't get to hear a word you say back because you're yelling at me through the speakers of your car. With that being said, the Minnesota Vikings, hello. Talk about getting hot at the right time, especially the right time of season, with Dalvin Cook having, what, slightly under 500 yards, probably like around the 450 range the last three games. Oh, boy. Kirk Cousins, this is his first time throwing over 20 pass attempts in a game in two or three weeks. Kirk Cousins, 25 of 36, 292, two touchdowns and a pick. That Those 36 attempts, he had 40 attempts the last two weeks combined. So now they're starting to switch the offense up and get it mixed up. I mean, Justin Jefferson's having a great game right now. Had his fourth 100-yard receiving game, which is tied for the franchise record for the Minnesota Vikings with Dat May and Randy Miles. But, man, with Dalvin on there, sure, he, he only had 96 yards on three carries. That's what, 3.3 in average. And trust me, I'm not doing quick math. I have the ESPN stats in front of me, guys. Don't worry. Don't try to jump on my cock about my math. So this Vikings team is scary. I do not like it. They always seem to be horrible right when we count them out. They get it right offensively, and they keep 
they keep chugging along. And this is three straight for the Vikings. Now let's go over to the four-game losing streak, Chicago Bears. Holy shit, is this amazing. My goodness. Remember four weeks ago when we were, when everyone was very high in the Bears and we said, hey, literally, hey, let's wait till week 10 or 11 and then we can start talking about them. Well, we are here in the Bears. The Bears are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. But the Chicago Bears, my goodness, flaccid folds. Talk about a money bet. The $80 I won from the Arizona Hail Mary, I threw right on Nick Foles throwing an interception in this game. He do- he does it on the first drive. I wish I did because then I'd be filthy rich when I have to do this podcast. Nonetheless, Bears are looking like shit. They're the team that Walter and I definitely thought they were. They are frauds. Minnesota Vikings team is very fun to watch. And we're going to keep it inside this division to talk about my Green Bay Packers. Before I start laying into my own team, I'm going to let Wally take the floor here. Packers just barely squeaking by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Aaron with 325 passing yards, two touchdowns, and a very unconventional interception. Aaron Jones, only 46 rushing yards. This man's only had 104 rushing yards the past two games combined. And the Packers defense is, is still dog shit against the run. Wally, as an outsider's opinion, how did this game against the Jaguars look? I will lay into them. So I want to get your opinion first. See, I'm not going to panic that much if I am a Packers fan right now, purely because this is another one of those games we were talking about. The Midwest and the Northeast got ravaged by wind and weather this weekend. Aaron Rodgers still fought through it because he's an outstanding quarterback as he is. 325 yards passing, two touchdowns. Yeah, he had the pick, but again, not not that worried about it. Keelan Cole had a punt return for the Jags to make the game look closer than it was. Jaguars have been competitive this year. I'm not going to knock him in at this stage of the season. A win is a win. So, yeah, the Packers were a little underwhelming. Yeah, there's a lot of holes in this team. At this point, they're winning games. They're 7-2. and two. Yeah, maybe if you're looking at it from uh, your perspective, Stephen, where it's, is this team setting up to lose poorly in either the divisional round or the NFC title game yet again? Yeah, that's possibly more of a concern. But for right now, this team's fine. It's going to win the division. Now they have nine games, or seven games, sorry, correction there. They have seven games to, to figure things out, to get better. Because you don't have a threat now. The Vikings aren't going to catch you, and the Bears are dead. The Lions aren't going to catch you either. I, I think this is a team now that you can just take the next two months to get right and figure out what your identity needs to be going into the postseason. Well, with the trade line's already passed. We already know what our we already know what the identity of the Green Bay Packers is. They are a worse version of themselves last year. They still cannot stop the run. We had Robinson going off for 109 yards on 23 carries. Hell, even Jake Lutton had a good game. That is second start of the NFL, that rookie. So, yeah, there's a ton to worry about as a Packers fan. Outside of Devontae Adams, there's no other weapons. Yeah, Marquez Valdez-Scanling had a very nice 78-yard touchdown where he ran a fly route and burned the guy. Okay, so what? You're not going to be able to get away with that every single play in the NFL. And we saw how bad that Packers offense was when Devontae Adams was on the sideline. The Packers are nothing short of if they stay in the one seed, great. Then Green Bay's gonna Green Bay fans like myself are gonna have our hearts ripped out in the NFC championship game again. Anything below the one, we'll lose in the divisional round. And that's all this team is built for. This team is built for regular season success 
This team is like a Peyton Manning throws a team. Regular season success, chokes in the playoffs. That's all it is. That's all I got to say about my Green Bay Packers. I am not very high on them. I'm I am the most unbiased fan you'll ever listen to. Packers team ain't going to do shit. They're going to be the number one seed in the NFC, overrated like they were last year as the number two seed, and then just get completely spanked probably by the Buccaneers again. Who fucking knows? While we're talking about the Buccaneers, let's keep it in the old pirate ship. Your Las Vegas Raiders catching a fat dub against ugh, the washed-up Denver Broncos who just can't seem to get it together until it's late in the game. But the whole game, they were just getting backhanded, knees in the face like a UFC fight, elbows, teeth pouring out of their face with the blood. Josh Jacobs and your boy Booker combining for 193 yards and four touchdowns, two each. Derek Carr didn't put anything impressive on there. Who cares? Do you have a running game like that and a running tandem like that? They look great. On top of that, your defense had five takeaways. Your team's a little bit high here, Wally. Three straight, four of the last five that they've won. How are you feeling about this team heading into Sunday against the division rival, Kansas City Chiefs? Well, you're 3-0 and now in the division. First of all, I'm not going to say anything about the Broncos. They're a waste of time. Drew Locke is kind of just meh. I'm losing faith in him by the day. His ribs got jacked up this last week. Sounds like he won't play this next week. They're just not a good football team, so I'm not going to waste my time with them. The Raiders, however, are a very good football team. We're learning that more out the week now. We have three tackles out right now for the Raiders. Colton Miller, Trent Brown, Sam Young, all those guys are out. And another week where the offensive line completely dominated the game, and then you have the defense to think about. Yeah, against Cleveland, the weather game a few weeks ago, they held the Browns to six points, but it was the weather. Then you turn around to the Chargers, you win a game. Yeah, you gave up 32 or should have been 32 points, but you had to stop at the last play of the game. Finally, this week, it starts clicking. We were getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, only two sacks, but the pressure was there. Forced four interceptions and got a fumble recovery as well. Saw it on the Rich Eisen show, so I got to give him credit. But this was the first time since 1975 the Raiders rushed for four touchdowns and recorded five uh, turnovers in a game. It's old-school Raiders football. It's what John Gruden wants. He's beaming ear-to-ear right now. The whole thing about this Chiefs game coming up, which we will get into, is the Raiders' defense is all but on or, uh, the COVID list right now, so we have to wait and figure out if those guys are even going to play. But the whole team's exciting. Derek Carr, yeah, his stat line was not as glorious as I would have liked it. He had two drop touchdown deep passes, by the way. We're talking nine routes. Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, both with the drop. Should have been a touchdown. Then all of a sudden, you'd be looking at a guy who's thrown for 252 touchdowns. And anybody who watched this game could tell the Raiders just decided about halfway through the third quarter, why wouldn't we throw the ball when we're getting six, seven yards of carry and walking down the field with your two-headed running back monster? So I'm thrilled right now. I I think you can sense it. I'm beaming. If, 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 if the Raiders defense could not have COVID and be healthy this weekend, this is a huge, huge, huge test. And one that I think I actually have cautious optimism for, which is hilarious because I put a comma on the Raiders to lose by more than 11 a few weeks ago against this Chiefs team. But, man, I, I'm a believer. Maybe after this game, I'll have to take, like, 12 steps back. But as for right now, I am I am 
am on top of the world with this Raiders team right now. And trust me, I remember that bet from a few weeks ago because I was very, very high on the Raiders plus 10 and a half, and you refused to go with me. And let's get into see if you're going to lose another thousand this week on your boys. We're done with the week 10 recap. It's all about looking forward to week 11 and the bets that they have to offer. We got 14 games, baby. And we're ready to get into it. Wally, this is your time, my man. Let it rip. What the hell's going on out here? Absolutely. As you know, I'm here on FanDuel because PA is awesome and already has legalized gambling. So we'll start right now out west in a huge NFC West battle between two of the contenders in that division, Rams not included. The Cardinals tomorrow night facing off with Seattle against the 12th man, even though there's no 12th man right now. The Seahawks are minus three. I am actually going to go with the I, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I'm going to go with the Seahawks to win money line. And because I have to make a spread bet, because that's who I am as a person, I would take the Seahawks to cover. But, man, I would try my best to buy a point and get it down to two because this feels like a field goal game one way or another. Yeah, this game is rough. You know what? You know how much I love the, the three-point spreads, especially in the division games? But, man, man, this one's rough. But I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to go Seattle minus three on this. They're the home. They're the home team. I know that home, the 12th man, like you said, doesn't really matter. Seattle's coming off an ugly loss. There's no way Russell Wilson's going to play that bad with twice within a week. As well as one of the hardest things to overcome is a huge win like that. Because you have so much momentum going in. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Seahawks minus three at home coming off an ugly loss. I think Russ is going to go from a simmer to back to high cooking. Let him cook against this defense. The over-under is 57 and a half. Uh, If that drops down by tomorrow, I would take that or I would buy points to lower it. Other than that, Seattle minus three. I'm with you, Walter. I like it. I like it. Now the Falcons are facing the new king of the jungle down there in New Orleans, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston and the Saints are four-and-a-half-point favorites at home against those Falcons. And I'm sorry, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Hide all the Ws because there's a there's an alpha predator out there right now. Jameis Winston's on the, the, the hunt, and he will get a W and eat that W this Sunday against the Falcons, and will do this so by more than four-and-a-half. Saints cover and win. In my book, I have Atlanta plus five, and I'm taking that all day. Jameis Winston, I just feel like he's going to choke. I just feel Atlanta always wins the the most meaningless divisional games this time of the season, and this is perfect. They did they did the exact same thing. They beat the Saints. They beat the 49ers this time last year when they had absolutely no right to do it. This is the same thing. That defense hasn't sold me against the Falcons. They've sold me against the Buccaneers, but basically against every other team, they have yet to sell me. So, fuck it. I'm going to go with the Falcons plus five on this, and we're going to go opposite ways, Wally. Okay. Hey, I I get it. I mean, not everybody can be on the side of Jameis Winston, but I'm brave, and I'm going to be the guy on the right side of history here. So Joey Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are traveling to FedEx Field to face another great rookie. That'll be a fun little matchup. Chase Young and the Washington football team. The Bengals' offensive line is terrible. The Washington football team's defense is very good. It should be a really fun matchup, actually. 
game between two teams that realistically don't have playoff hopes or at the least, I mean, Washington, I suppose we could in that terrible division. But these are two teams that are just trying to figure out what who they are going forward. I think I'm going to take the Bengals to win this game outright. So take them plus one and a half and take the money line at plus 102. I just think that you're going to have a, a nice bounce back game from this from the entire offense, the offensive line had played above their, their their skill level for about two, three weeks going up until the Steelers game. But that front four, like we've been saying for a while now, it's not like a normal front four. That coupled with the fact that I think you're going to see a lot of double teams on Chase Young. You're going to give Joey Burrow a little bit more time. And again, I think they're going to come out. They're going to cover and get the win. Now, from my side, I don't know if I like this spread too much. The one and a half is always tricky. But I feel like it's perfect for this game. I feel like this is like a one or two point game. This is so perfect. But I'm, I'm going to steer away from the spread. I'm going to go with the over 46 and a half. Joey B's been kind of off his game here the last couple of weeks. He's hit, or I'm sorry, last week. He was extremely off his game compared to what we're used to. Now, what's going to cause the biggest problem is Washington's defensive line against the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Nonetheless, both these, both these teams are allowing 340-plus yards each defensively. Both are allowing more than 24 points per game, 24.2 for Washington, 27.8 for the Bengals. So I'm going to go with the over on this, stay away from the spread. What I have is 46.5, and I'm hammering that, Walter. Panthers are one-and-a-half-point favorites without Christian McCaffrey and without Teddy Bridgewater. This feels like a really tricky game because – this feels like Vegas might know something we don't. I would hesitantly say that I feel like the Lions would win this game outright right now with Carolina being as depleted as they are. But maybe that maybe Vegas knows something. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know what they're thinking. I would probably pick the, the Lions, honestly. I think they win a game something like 24-20 to 20 in this. I don't have any faith in Carolina's quarterback room beyond Teddy Bridgewater. So for me, I'm taking the Lions... Not only uh, plus one and a half, I'm taking the money line as well. Oh, I'm going lines all day on this. Couldn't agree more. I think Matt Stafford's going to light up this defense. This defense is nothing special. They, they're they they're not as bad as what we were anticipating. They're still a top 13 defense, but you cannot name you one person on that defense, and they they can get lit up very easily by a Matt Stafford-led offense. So I'm going to go with the Lions minus one and a half on this. I'm going to stick with you, and I'm going to ride the money line. You're a smart man for that. Let's go to the Patriots and the Texans here. Texans are hosting the Patriots. First time they've been playing together since that game where they decided to dress up their entire defensive line and go and shock the world against the Patriots. This time there's a lot less heat to this matchup. You have two teams nobody gives a shit about. You have the Patriots two-and-a-half-point road favorites here, which is kind of surprising me. Yeah, the Texans... Coming off a, a difficult game, again, weather game. We all we keep harping on it. But they're hosting the Patriots now with, with a little bit of wind at their back. I think I'm going to go with the Texans, though. Again, I don't know why we're overreacting. I think this is more of a respect to Bill Belichick kind of a line here. But I'm taking the Texans to win this game outright, plus two and a half as well. I'm picking three straight dogs here. I just i am not going to buy into the Patriots until they force me to buy back in. I was fooled once this year, and I held on with them for about seven weeks. I will not do it anymore. If they want me to come back in, they're going to have to prove it. Texans cover, and they win outright. We've been fooled too many times with the Arizona Cardinals. They've taken us on this roller coaster too many times for us to hop on an AFC team for the New England Patriots. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go with Houston. Um, I have them at plus one and a half on mine. If they move up, I would love that. But Houston has just been – this is the game that we're going to bet the Patriots and be like, you know what, we're right back on the train and the, the Houston Texans are going to beat them, I guess technically upset them, and then we'll realize, oh, yeah, that's right. We don't really trust the Patriots. So I'm going to go with the Texan on here. We got a Bill Belichick against one of his disciples and Romeo Cornell once again. I think Deshaun Watson just had enough, and he's just going to explode this game, especially being so minimal and having such a minimal impact last last week against the Cleveland Browns. I'm with you, Houston plus one and a half. Speaking of the Cleveland Browns, they are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles this week. They are a three-point favorite. To me, I think you're finally going to start to see what this Browns team is made of. We're working into the third month of the season now. The offensive line is finally back healthy. Chubb is back. You got to see him play terrific this last week and run the ball at will against the Texans. I think you're going to see a very similar kind of story this week where the Browns control the game throughout against Philadelphia. And, man, I've never rooted harder for the Browns. And that's including the fact that they're in this wild card race with the Raiders right now. But let's see it happen. I think the Browns win and cover. Yeah, this one's this one is interesting. Because we've seen it once, we've seen it again. Right when we count Philadelphia, they always win the game that we least expect them to. We've seen them doing them against the 49ers this year when they were at least somewhat the San Francisco 49ers. That being said, minus three and a half. Cleveland, 3-6-0 against the spread. Philadelphia, 3-6-0 against the spread. Talk about a true fucking 50-50 toss-up here, Wally. You know what, fuck it. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns, minus three and a half. It's going to be an ugly, ugly game again. They're expected to be mid to high 50s with rain. And, man, that rushing attack between Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is going to be dangerous because the Philadelphia Eagles are allowing an average of 133 yards of rushing on the ground. They have never played a team with this running back tandem, let alone there's not – this is the, like you were saying, this is the best tandem in the league. No one has really ever played them. Philadelphia, I think, is going to get ransacked by them. Their average average pass yards allowed per game is 236, which is roughly what I feel like is slightly below what Baker is averaging right now or what he is capable of. I think that this offense is going to completely shithouse Philadelphia. Somehow we'll get to the Giants game here, but Philly's going to lose that lead in the NFC East this week against the Cleveland Browns, Wally. Browns minus three and a half. I think that's a good call, too, and it'll be interesting, too, because two Ohio teams are playing the NFC East in games that could decide that terrible division out there. So keep your eye on that. Speaking of the Browns' arch rival of the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going down to Duval to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those Jacksonville Jaguars are 10-point dogs. I'm very high on the Steelers. I have not hit that on here. But this feels like a weird game. I don't know what it is. The Jaguars have been a lot more competitive than people think so far this year. And it's I have a real hard time betting any road team to win by more than 10 points. That feels like a million right now. I, I mean, the Steelers rebounded very nice uh, from that Dallas game to play Cincinnati the way they did. You get the third end of a, of a stretch here of three teams that it's really hard to get up for. I think it's going to be difficult for them to get out and just completely dominate for 60 minutes yet again. I will take the Steelers' money line, but the Jacksonville Jaguars cover plus 10. Yeah, I'm just going to – I'm sorry. You guys are going to have to bet big for this. I'm going with just the Steelers' money line. I could not agree with you more. I don't know how many more bets I need to put on here that I'm 
very confident in that are double digits that don't need a hit. Because the only double digit spread that it's hit for me is the Raiders plus ten and a half, and and the uh, and the uh, Panthers plus ten and a half against both against the Chiefs. With that being said, I was very confident in the Packers minus fourteen going into the week, and we all know how that ended up. Yeah, the Steelers. We were very confident of them going to Dallas and beat the shit out of them. We all know how that ended up. This isn't the Jacksonville Pittsburgh matchup that it has been, you know, in that twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen range. Not as fun, but yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm just gonna have to bite the bullet, put a lot of money on the Steelers money line, which I have at minus five hundred. And just be happy when they catch the W because I do not think that they're going to cover. Traveling, going to Florida. And Duval couldn't agree with you more, Wally. <laughs> Pittsburgh money line. Now a battle between free-falling teams as the Tennessee Titans and Baltimore Ravens meet up, both at 6-3 and three in Baltimore. The Ravens are six-point favorites at home. This is a really hard game to get a gauge on because when you have teams come in both playing so poorly – you have to imagine one's going to have a get-right game, and it's just hard to pick which one of these it's going to be. The Baltimore Ravens defense is very good. So that is going to be the reason why I'm going to take the Ravens to win and cover because I think they're going to contain Derrick Henry enough. And by the way that the Titans have coached this last few weeks, they have been okay with getting away from Derrick Henry. They've been comfortable throwing with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the results have not been there, but – who knows the way it's going? I think that you're going to see more of the same. So I think the Ravens are going to win. I think they are going to cover and and get at least right for one week here. Yeah, this one's going to be very interesting. There's a lot. Jadavion Clowney is the one that's going to stick out to me. He's questionable on their injury report, but at the end of the day, what dominant pro athlete is not questionable consistently throughout the week? Yeah, this game is this game is so hard to gauge, especially with a spread like this, a six and a half. A full touchdown. This game is not a full touchdown. I'm taking the Titans plus six and a half and letting that grow. This is a field goal game written all over it. Both these teams are struggling. Titans have lost three in a row. The Ravens are struggling to find that identity that they that was so clear that they had already at this time last year. This is an interesting game. The Ravens are obviously very hungry to get the monkey off their back called Tennessee Titans this time around because obviously what happened last year. But I think Justin Tucker is going to be the deciding factor in this game. It's only going to be a three-point game. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans plus six and a half. Now Miami is traveling to the Mile High City to face off with the Denver Broncos. Could it potentially be the battle of two very young quarterbacks and two and Drew Locke. Who knows if Drew Locke will be able to play yet. As of right now, I will take – this is going to be one of those games where I'm playing really close. I'm taking the Dolphins to win. And I'm going to take the Broncos to cover plus three and a half. I think this is going to be a really, really tight game. Dolphins are just finding ways to win right now. I think you're going to see more of the same this week. I think the Broncos offense bounces back a little bit. Don't turn the ball over as much. But again, I think the Dolphins do manage to go out on the road to get a win. But I do think the Broncos cover three and a half. Yeah, see, I got three on my book. And this one's extremely interesting. Drew Locke loves playing well against you know, teams that are on par of his team or slightly a little bit less. I just don't know if I have enough confidence in Tua going to mile high and, and going 4-0. There's something with Tua going 4-0 that just doesn't sound right with me that makes you want to take the Broncos plus three. Plus three at mile high, I feel like this is a lock. 
for Denver. Yeah, they're allowing 376 yards per game, which is slightly, which is just about 20 less than the Dolphins are. Now, that Dolphins, the thing that scares me the most, the Dolphins aren't playing great offensive game. They are playing a great defensive game. They're playing a great team game. Last two te- last two games, they've had defensive touchdowns. It's very, very hard to determine what this team's identity is, but I think they're going to lose to this Denver Broncos team. The Denver Broncos teams are getting dick left and right here for a while. I feel like this is a game that we're already counting Denver out on, and then they are just going to win for no reason. Strictly off a hunch, I'm going Denver plus three. Literally no statistics backing this, Wally. We've talked about some bad teams and bad matchups going into this, but none are worse than this following one. Yeah, there's games like Washington. Yeah, there's games like Washington playing uh, Cincinnati and games like Dallas playing Minnesota. At least you have to imagine those are going to be somewhat fun and competitive. The Jets going to the Chargers. The Jets are an abomination, and the Chargers are somewhat of a decent team that have a terrible record because they can't win one-score games. I think you're going to just see the Chargers finally get off the snide, finally get right a little bit. They're going to get a win. They're going to cover eight and a half, but it's going to be a game that if you're watching this for fun, I you got something wrong with you. It's serial killer stuff. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Hey, man, this is a gross, gross game. But Chargers win, they cover eight and a half. It's so funny thinking how how much the Chargers have struggled, especially in one-possession games, and you're giving them a possession plus as a favorite. That is the most interesting to me. But, yeah, the Jets have not done anything all year that obviously would equate into me being confident into picking them in any bet, no matter what the spread is. So, yeah. Could not agree with you more, Wally. I'm going to go with the Chargers. A two-win team versus a zero-win team and an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. They're traveling out west. I think Justin Herbert, especially after the game of only having 187 yards passing, I think he's going to fucking light up this Jets defense. And it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun to watch. We'll go in from the worst team in the NFL in the New York Jets to potentially the second-worst team without Dak Prescott right now. The Dallas Cowboys are seven-point road dogs in Minnesota. I don't trust Minnesota, but I hate Dallas even more. Like, this roster, I mean, I don't have any strong feelings either way about the team, but Vikings are going to win this game yet again on Dalvin Cook. In his back, I'm thinking another 150-plus yard game, probably another touchdown or two. They win the cover. This is another one of those games, though. I have to just hope you guys aren't watching it. There's other good 4 four o'clock and 425 games. That if you're watching this, it better be on red zone is basically the moral of the story. You know what I find very disrespectful here? That the over-under is 48 and a half. I think that this Minnesota Vikings team can put up minimum 30, 35 points on this Cowboys defense. This Cowboys defense hasn't shown me anything. This year's Vikings defense <laughs> is so bad that they're going to make this quarterback for the Cowboys make that defense look like it's top five this year. This is just an ugly game. Minnesota minus seven all day. And I'm taking the over, which I have at 40 and a half as well. So I think Minnesota is going to cover more than three-fourths of that. From one of your arch rivals in Minnesota to your Green Bay Packers, traveling to Indianapolis to face off against the Colts and Phillip Rivers. The Colts and Phillip Rivers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. You've been very, very, very high on this Colts team as I have been a little bit lower than you and I've been a little bit more sympathetic in trying to talk you off the ledge with the Packers. 
So I want to go to you first, actually. Do you have the Packers covering two and a half? And do you think that they managed to get a, a win in a projected very close game? Or what do you think? So there? I actually have Green Bay at plus one and a half. I don't know what the hell has happened because it was at plus three earlier in the earlier in the week. And even with the line dropping like that, literally a point and a half, I'm still taking the Colts to win this game. I don't have any confidence in the Packers against a team like this. The Colts defense is pretty damn good. And I was talking about it. Shout out to my man, Adam Alfonso, again. We were talking about it a little bit earlier this week, texting. The Packers just, if you face a team as the Packers, and defensively they're more aggressive than you, somehow Green Bay just rolls over offensively. Happens all the time. Saw him do, saw do it twice against San Francisco last year. We saw do, we saw them do it against the Buccaneers this year. On top of last year, we saw them do it against the Eagles as well as the Chargers. Teams that can run the ball and defend you pretty damn well. That is Green Bay's kryptonite, which it should be every good NFL's team's kryptonite. But that is Aaron Rodgers' kryptonite. You give him a good defense that he's facing, he's going to shit the bed. Because then, those are the games that you realize that all he has is Devontae Adams. And when he's not doing shit, the whole team's not doing shit. I have the Colts. Money line, plus one and a half, plus a two and a half on your book, Wally. Wait until it grows. I have the Colts to win this game. I have zero confidence in my Green Bay Packers winning this. Honestly, if they do win, I'm going to be elated because I was not expecting this. But I got Colts minus one and a half on my book, minus two and a half on your book at home. Yeah, see, honestly, I I don't know. Yet again, here we are where I am higher, I guess, on the Packers than you are. I think the Packers win this game outright. Money's flying in right now. You mentioned that we went from three to one and a half on your book. That over here on mine, the plus two and a half right now for the Packers is at minus 128, opposed to Indianapolis Colts being minus two and a half is plus 104, which indicates that money is flying in on the Packers, and it will eventually probably change on my book as well, and that's how it works. So go back to, let's say it moves to one and a half like you have, it'll move to minus 110 each way again, or at least somewhat close to that. Just a little FYI for all you people out there wondering how gambling line work. But yeah, I'm going Packers to win, and I'm going Packers to cover. I know, Steven, you're hoping that I'm right opposed to you on this one. We'll see, of though. Course, of course I, I'm hoping that you're right, but I'm also just a realistic fan. I've seen them get embarrassed way too much with this setup. Top 10 defense against a subpar offense, but the defense just shuts Aaron Rodgers down because, like I said, just watch. Just watch. We are all we all have Devontae Adams' dick in our mouth until we face a team like this where he gets shut down and everyone's like, well, I guess Aaron and Devontae are not that good. So we'll see. We'll go to Monday Night Football now where the Los Angeles Rams and Tampa Bay Buccaneers will face off. The AFC has had no problem with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to take the top seed. The NFC has been very indecisive, right? We talked earlier, the Packers are number one in the NFC right now. But they, there's like five or six teams that are right there, and someone just has to go and grab the bull, the bull by the horns. And this is a very good opportunity for these teams. The Rams, three-and-a-half-point road dogs in Tampa Bay. We'll see if Tom Brady and the, and the Bucks can win this game, can hopefully, for their sake, cut it a little closer with the Saints, because that's also a tough game for the Saints this week. I am going to say that the Buccaneers win, but the Rams cover. I think this is an incredibly close game. 
I think it's within three points one way or another. I think I think this is going to be a, mo- a lower scoring game. You're going to see both our defenses show up and, and show out. The over-unders at 48 and a half for good reason. Like I said, I think the Bucks win, but I do think the Rams are able to cover in this game. Stephen, where are you this thinking? This is just this is such a fun game. Because you're thinking of how the Rams played the Seattle Seahawks, which is arguably probably the best offense in the NFC. Actually, you know what? I take that back. It is the best offense in the NFC. And the Rams shut them down. But that's going to be interesting because the main story was we all know that Jalen Ramsey likes to shadow the number one receiver. But during the game against the Seahawks, he was kind of all over the board. That's why you saw that no one had more than 66 yards. Tyler Luck at 66 yards. No one had more of that on the offensive side uh, for Seattle. <clears throat> With that being said, that L.A. Rams defense against this offense is going to be a blast. Jalen Ramsey is going to go. He can guard Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, A.B., Gronk. He can guard them all. So you know that you have Jalen Ramsey shadowing everyone. You have that force of Aaron Donald coming in on your front seven. It's going to be interesting to see. And I'm going to take the Rams plus four right now all day. I like the Rams a lot. I think that this team outside of the Saints is going to cause the most problems for the Buccaneers in the NFC. So I'm taking Rams plus four. We brought up the Monday night game before the Sunday night football game here because, unfortunately, the Raiders are experiencing their own COVID problem right now. Basically, their entire defense is on the participant practice list right now. Cannot play until they're fully cleared. We'll see if that happens. Chiefs have their own couple. Their starting tackles on both sides are also in that group. We'll see because right now it's a, it's a weird week. There's not a line on FanDuel right now. It did open as six and a half uh, point favorites for the Chiefs on the road. But we'll see how that goes. Andy, Andy Reid and the Chiefs are pretty pissed off going into this. They've been talking a lot this week in the media. Do not appreciate what the Raiders did post-game, doing a victory lap, so they call it, uh, after celebrating in their stadium, which I think is hilarious considering they were dancing against a winless Jets team at home a few weeks ago. But that's neither here nor there. If this game does happen, if the Raiders' defense is healthy and deemed able to play, I think it's going to be a very tight game for most of it, but I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs to win and cover late. Like It's going to be like a touchdown game, and I think that's where the 6.5 hurts you as a better. I think the Chiefs win by at least 7 here, and they win outright. I don't care. At this point, regardless of what your defense is looking like, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to light you up because they remember what happened last time at their home stadium. And they want to, and you know, Pat Mahomes is going to want to just rip every single Raiders fan's heart out in the empty stadium of the first year that they had it. You know, that's what they want to do. That stadium, oh my goodness, it's amazing. The Death Star, whatever the fuck you one eyed pirates call it. Buccaneers at least have two eyes. That's neither here nor there. I'm taking Chiefs spread outside. If it's fuck it, ten and a half or eleven, I'm taking the Chiefs on this. I'm sorry, bud. We'll see if this will end up being a game. I really hope it is a Sunday night game. Obviously, I wish that the fans were there at Allegiant Stadium because that place is fucking gorgeous. But outside of that, Chiefs, I'm taking it here. They're starting to roll a little bit. They are not the same. They are. They are the same team that, that you faced a few weeks ago, but mentally and how they are playing, they are not the same. For that reason, I'm taking the Chiefs 
spread on this, whatever it may be. We'll get to that at one point. But that is all that I have to say. That is all that Wally has to say. That's all that we all have to say. So thank you for joining us here on another episode of Loss of Down. Episode 11, Week 10 Recap, Week 11 Bets. Check us out on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Loss of Down. We're trying to grow here a little bit. We're a starter company, but we like to have a lot of fun. As always, thank you so much for listening to us, however it is. If it's Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor.fm, check us out on all the social media platforms. And watch out, because we got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. We're going to have some search dropping here soon. Maybe you can give them to your spouse, give them to some family members, get our name out there. We'd really appreciate it. But Wally... Thank you for joining me up in Pittsburgh. What are your last thoughts? Assuming they get to play this weekend, the Buckeyes are 20-point favorites against Indiana at home. I think that the Buckeyes completely cover. They've been hearing about Michael Penix Jr. all year, talking about how they were going to beat this Buckeyes team. It ain't going to happen. Buckeyes by a billion. And that's Waller Lukashensky, or however you pronounce that one. I'm Stephen Wheaties, your host. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Music here. Check us out here next week. Thursday mornings. That's where we want to find you. We are Loss of Down, and we will check you here next week.